change it up a little bit tonight. I, uh, uh, Benny did a great job introducing, but I, uh, I think we're gonna, I'm going to talk about something else tonight. Uh, you weren't to know about that. Um, <clears throat> we'll talk about stories maybe a little bit tomorrow and the importance of stories, but tonight I feel I'd just like to get dived into a meaty big old topic and chat with you a little bit around suffering. Just seems right for a Saturday evening, you know. It's just got, kind of got the right vibes for it. Um, I'm aware this is sensitive and I'll be chatting about some sensitive stuff and I'm going to be vulnerable and open with you guys about it tonight as well. I'm going to give a chance to respond at the end as well. We're going to give some time for ministry later. We're going to do some praying for healing, but I'm also going to give a response for uh, anyone that maybe feel, felt that they've drifted from God or maybe you've never been close to God before. We're going to go there tonight, but I'm just, I'm so aware that the stuff that I've got written here that's prepared. I just want it to be want it to be right. I want it to be sensitive. I want it to come across as my heart's intended for it to be. Um, I don't want to get this wrong. So I wonder if you'd uh, maybe indulge me just for 30 seconds. I'd love to just pray again if that's all right and just pray that the stuff that I feel God's got for us tonight is right. And if it's not, that I'd discard it and get the right stuff. I wonder if you'd just pray with me for uh, just a little bit. God, I think we all know that we are living in a world which isn't as it's meant to be. And Lord, the whole issue of suffering and why suffering even exists in this world is one that is so difficult to wrap our heads around. And I know that I'm not going to offer tonight perfect answers for anyone. But Lord, I do just pray that as we wrestle with this topic, as we go deep as we get stuck in as we as we wrestle with you as we try to come nearer to you through this topic lord that you would just be pouring out your holy spirit and your presence in this place and lord just guide the words that i feel that you've got me to prepare uh, for these guys and lord if there's just anything which isn't right just help me to ignore it and help me to focus on what you've got to say tonight it's nothing to do with with me it's all to do with you and what you want to say so just pray that you'd be here right now with all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've got a bit of time, um, and I've got a few things to say, um, but we'll see how far we crack on. We'll see how we do. Um, we're going to be really honing in on one passage of the Bible tonight, which is John chapter 9. We're going to go through the whole thing, but rather than just reading it together, because it's a long old passage, I've decided, ladies and gentlemen, that tonight we are going to dramatize this passage. We are going to use the help of volunteers to tell uh, the story exactly how, is it, how it would have been 2,000 years ago. Uh, so I need some volunteers really for uh, this here segment if that's okay. Uh, firstly I uh, need a disciple who fancies being a disciple. This doesn't bode well because I need a few of you. Come, 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 come. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. Come and grab your disciple piece of paper, so neatly written, thank you. Okay, great. I think you stand just over there. I need two Pharisees whose feelings... Yeah, straight up. Right, cheers, gentlemen. Yeah, I'll take, I'll take you two. Here you go, chaps. There's your two. You can go stand over there as well. Um, 
I need, uh, I need a mum and a dad. Now, ideally, if this, if this could be a couple or, or a near couple or someone that would maybe have been eyeing each other up for a little while. Yeah, come on, you two. You can be me, mum and dad. Like, they've been going out for a year. They're about to celebrate their year anniversary, right? We need to... Mush on them. You can decide amongst yourselves who's going to be the mum and who's going to be the dad. Be whatever you like. Okay. Um, I need a Jesus. I think I'd like a. I think I like a female Jesus. We've got lots of blokes up here. I think Jesus is on the whole. The 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 girls I've seen over the course of this uh, weekend have done a much better job of representing Jesus than the lads. And finally, I need a blind man. Are you sure you want to be the blind man? Do you know what? I'm going to go with Jack, and I'll tell you what. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. See what you think about this. Now, um, if you could all stand to my here left. Now, this is. Um, if you've heard about method acting, Daniel Day Lewis is very good at this. It's the idea of really throwing yourself into a role. I'm aware. What? Well, that's just that's naughty, is what that is. Um, I do want you to inhabit the role, though, Jack. So, if you could please wear this here blindfold. Maybe if you could tighten, one of you could just tighten that around him. I really don't want him to be able to see. For the rest of you, you can turn to John chapter 9 in your bebels or on your phone. Um, and how it's going to work, just so my character actors know, is I'm going to say a bit of dialogue that pertains to your character and I need you to repeat it back into the microphone just so everyone knows that you've said it. Okay, great. Now my blind man, where I'd like you, is I'd like you just sat down around there, if that's okay. You can just sit down. You're okay? You're okay? It's just sit, just sit, just sit. Okay, we're in John chapter 9, and here we go. Uh, right, so for the moment, my Pharisees and my mum and dad can just go and hang out over there. I need my Jesus and disciple, first of all. You, just, you can stay here. You, yeah, you, you, can, you guys will, be, will come into the story in a little bit. So... As Jesus went along, this is John chapter 9, verses 1 uh, onwards. As Jesus went along, he saw a man who was blind from birth. His disciples, his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? And Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents sinned. I didn't hear it. Neither this man nor his parents sinned. Neither this man or his parents sinned. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. I'm skipping on to uh, verse 6. Having said these things, he then spit on the ground and made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Now, I've got... Um, Some actual muds from outside here, Whitemore Lakes. Could you give it some proper spit? Give it some spit? Well, that's what Jesus did. Yeah, you give it a little mix around if you want to. That's fine. You can put some water. Okay, and then, uh, so Jesus spits into the saliva and then puts it on the man's eyes. Now, you don't have to, like, you can put it, just put it. You can put it just on the forehead. Let's go with the forehead. Your eyes need to be closed because you're blind. Put, it, put a little bit on the... Are you happy then you go for the blind man now? This is the whole point of it. So you just, just put it on the, on the forehead, a little bit of the mixy mud. The mud should still be wet. Yeah, perfect, perfect, perfect. Okay, so keep your eyes closed, blind man. This is very important. So... Um, that's not what the blind man says. You, you say what the Bible says. Yeah. Hey, 
You're all going, uh, this is biblical, okay? So, uh, spits, puts in the man's eyes. And then Jesus said, Jesus said, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. In the pool of what? Go and wash in the pool of Siloam. Uh, so the man went and washed. So blind man, I need you to stand up for me. Uh, Jesus, if you can, yeah, eyes closed, eyes closed, still blind at this point. Uh, uh, just come to what, right, you need to watch out for the big old cable that's just in front of you. But if you just come towards me, you're coming to wash in the pool of Siloam. Are you ready? Here is the pool of Siloam. Be washed in the pool of Siloam. I'm just going to sprinkle a little bit on your head as well. Um, and afterwards, he could see. So you can take your, your scarf off. You're now seeing. There's a little bit of mud on your head, but don't worry about that. So uh, he came home seeing. Now, neighbors came and asked him, uh, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that it was. Others said, no, he just looks like him. But he himself said, I am the man. I am the man. He said it just like that. How were your eyes open, they demanded. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it in my eyes. The man they called Jesus made, made some mud and put it in my eyes. He, t- <laughs> he got the intonation, bang on. He told me to go to Siloam and wash, so I washed and then I could see. He told me to go to Siloam and wash and I washed and then I could see. <laughs> Come on, marvellous. Okay, so Jesus and disciple, you can sit down. You've done a marvellous job. Give my Jesus and disciple a round of applause, please. You can go over there. You stay with me. Okay. They brought to the Pharisee. Now, I need my Pharisees to come now. My Pharisees to come. This is verse 13, if you're following in the Bible. They brought to the Pharisees the man who'd been born blind. Now, the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was the Sabbath. Therefore, the Pharisees asked him how he'd received his sight. He put mud on my eyes and I washed and now I see. He put mud on my eyes and I washed and now I can see. (laughs) I feel like you're taking a mick out of me a little bit. Um, That's all right. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God. He does not keep the Sabbath. This man is not from God. He does not keep the Sabbath. Yeah, he wasn't laughing like that, but that's fine. Um, Others said, how can a sinner do such miraculous signs? How can a sinner do such miraculous signs? Very good. Finally, they turned again to the blind man. What have you got to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. What have you got to say about him? It was your eyes that he opened. The man replied, he was a prophet. He was a prophet. The Jews still did not believe that he had been blind and received his sight until, uh, so they sent for the man's parents. So I need mum and dad now. Come over here, come over here. Which one of you's mum or which one of you's dad? Oh, okay. The, yeah, okay, sure. Um, the, uh, so this is verse 19 now. The Pharisees asked, is this your son? Is this the one you say was born blind? How can he see? What? Uh, <laughs> is, <laughs> what? <laughs> Imagine if I said that. What? Uh, is this, uh, let's go with, is this your son? How can he now see? Is this your son? How can he now see? Uh, Dad says, we know he's our son and we know he was born blind. We know he's our son and we know he was born blind. Uh, but how we can, how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Wait, what? But, how, but something about something else. Uh, but how we can see now or who opened his eyes, we can't tell. How he can see now, and who opened his eyes, we can't This is marvellous. Uh, ask him, he's of age, he will speak for himself. Ask him, he's of age, he can speak for himself. 
Ask him, he's of age, he can speak for himself. Really bringing the Bible to life, this. Um, his parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. This is verse 22. For already the Jews had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ would be put out of the synagogue. That's why his parents asked, he is of age, ask him. My parents can go and sit down. Round of applause for my parents. Not my parents. The parents of the story. A second time they summoned the man born blind and said, give glory to God. We know this man is a sinner. He replied... This is blind man again. Whether he was a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Just go on that bit. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. One thing I do know is I was blind, and now I can see. Do you know what? We don't need to do the rest of the passage. Give everyone a round of applause that was involved in that. You guys can sit down. Thanks so much. You may just want to scrub your forehead a little bit. I've got lost my PowerPoint, Dan. I can get my PowerPoint. Thank you. Okay. So, um, I want to use that Bible passage as the platform for talking a little bit tonight around about suffering. Now, suffering, the question of suffering, the issue of suffering, the problem of suffering is not something that is just specific to Christianity. Whatever your worldview is, you have to come up against the problem of why is there suffering and what can we do about it? If you take God out of the equation and say, well, suffering is proof that there's no God, that may seem to make sense, but you're still left with the problem of suffering. Suffering still exists as we know it today. Death and sickness and, and, and losing close people and knowing people going through all sorts of hardships. That's the same right, whether or not you believe in God. So how you make sense of it, how you understand it, is really, really important. I think there has never been a human being that has not been confronted either with the issue of suffering or, with, or the question of suffering. And like the things that we were talking about this morning, questions of life and questions of truth, the Bible has something profound to say. And what the Bible has to say and what Jesus specifically has to say about this passage is vastly different from a lot of what other worldviews talk about. What I want to do is I want to go over three points, maybe. We'll see how we do for time. Um, if I'm talking too much, someone just be honest with me and say, shut up, Dan. But not now. Um, yeah, not yet. I knew someone was going to do that. Um, I want to share with you three points. And I want to tell some stories. I want to see how we go. And then I want to lead a time of response. Um, that's what we're going to do. My first point is this. Um, if you go to the next slide, that'd be great. Um, Jesus teaches us that there can be meaning and purpose brought from suffering. There's a famous quote from a guy called Viktor Frankl who said, if there is meaning in life at all, then there must be meaning in suffering. What he meant was, because we all experience suffering in life, there's no one that doesn't go through life without experiencing suffering, then part of the key to understanding life and meaning in life must be in some way connected with why we suffer and why there's suffering. Jesus teaches that purpose can be brought from suffering. And I want to be careful talking about that because sometimes it's not clear to see how that's the case. The first things that the disciple ask in John chapter 9 when confronted with the man born blind is this. Whose fault is it? Was it his parents' fault? Was it his fault? Was it something that he'd done? Or was it something that his parents had done? Whose fault is this? Who can we put the blame on? 
And that's a pretty typical question. Because when we're confronted with issues of suffering, people that we know who are ill or maybe we are ill, the first thing that we want to do naturally is find the source of blame. We want to know why is this happening? Who's caused this? And I know in my own life when I've come um, across suffering, my questions are not too dissimilar from the disciples. Right, whose fault is this? Is this because of something that he's done, something I've done? Or sometimes I even go one step further and say, God, Why would you allow something like this to happen? And so I'm playing the blame game, but I'm putting the blame on God. The first thing that the disciples do is the first thing that we all do. We want to know why. We want to know what the cause and the fault is behind the suffering that we experience and we see. Notice, though, how Jesus flips the question. Now, in this story, Jesus does an amazing healing. In fact, in a lot of the stories that you read about Jesus, he does amazing healings. Now, I believe that Jesus heals today. And the reason I believe that Jesus heals today is for two reasons. Firstly, I believe that's what the Bible says. Secondly, because I've seen it. I have got loads of stories, genuine stories of seeing God healing people. Even like from last year, like last summer, I was leading at a summer camp uh, down in Cornwall called Creation Fest. We had a girl that rocked up on one of the nights and I was talking around John 9 as well. And she had partial vision. She could only see things in a certain part of her peripheral vision, really, really blurry. That's how she'd been for the last few months. Her, basically, her eyesight had deteriorated. And so a few of us got, got around her and we prayed for her. And the first time we prayed, for her nothing seemed to happen we prayed for her again nothing happened on the third time that we prayed she said that she could see that bit of vision that she had left a lot more clearly so we said that's great so we prayed again and she said that over the next few prayers it was like the middle of her vision extended a little bit until after praying literally what must have been 10 or 11 times she had proper full sight as far as I'm aware now she can see where she couldn't see before there was a girl that came to us at a new wine festival a few years ago and um both of these, I'm not going to tell you the names, but uh, she had really, really horrendous scars that she'd caused um, herself on her own arms, uh, self-harm, and she was like, this was a past life, and I just want to be healed of this stuff. So a few of the team that I was working with, again, gathered around her, put their arms on where the scars were, and prayed for her. And I'm not joking, I'm not making this up, this is not a lie, those scars disappeared. When I was younger, I had a mate, and my mate um, fell off a jungle gym and shattered his spine in several places, was rushed into hospital. And they had to put pins in his back. They said, the probability is that you won't walk again. We'll try and make sure that you do. And we went round as a family, and some of the mates from his church that I knew as well, we went round and we prayed for him I wasn't old at this age I was probably about nine or ten we were praying for this guy's name was Tom and uh, after a couple of days of going visiting and praying for him one morning he woke up and he sat up and a doctor came in and said you shouldn't be doing that because he shouldn't because his back was shattered and they did an x-ray on his back and they'd find that bits of his back that were shattered were totally mended again this is not a lie this is not a joke again on his medical record it says reason for early discharge act of God Very rarely hospitals do that when they've got no reason. So I've seen God heal people. There was a woman when I was uh, younger who had cancer. She was uh, the mum of one of the girls that was in my youth group. Um, And she had really, really uh, aggressive cancer. And so we as a church prayed and we gathered around and we prayed for her. And we were full of faith that she'd be healed. We prayed for her. After a few days, she said she was feeling a little bit better. And about a month or so later, she died. And that sucked because we thought she'd be healed. There are times that I can tell you loads of stories where I've seen healings like the ones I've told you. I can also share you loads of stories where we've prayed for healing and nothing's happened. And some people that we've prayed for have died. 
So how do you make sense of sometimes God seems to heal people, sometimes God doesn't seem to heal people, and I feel like in both the times that I've prayed for people that have been healed and haven't been healed, that I've prayed with the same faith and expectation and belief that God would, I don't know why he didn't. And so we find ourselves again asking that question, God, why? The disciples asked Jesus why. Why was this man born blind? Was it something that he's done, something that his parents had done? Jesus totally flips the question. He has a habit of doing that. Read chapter 3. Uh, sorry, not chapter 3. Verse 3 of chapter 9. Jesus said, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. The disciples were focused on why this was happening. Jesus had his focus somewhere totally different. See, for Jesus, the focus wasn't so much, what's the cause of this, let's get to the bottom. It was how can God be found in this situation? How can God's uh, goodness and kingdom be brought out of this situation? And in a sense, um, where the disciples were asking, why is this happening? God was asking, what can God bring out of this situation? And it's a totally different way of viewing the problem of suffering. There's a word called theodicy. And theodicy is the, is the study of reconciling God and suffering. It's like a whole branch of like apologetics and, and learning about God. Um, the idea of a theodicy, and people have different theodicies, is the, is the idea of working on a theory that can um, reconcile and bring together the idea of God being good and also suffering being prevalent in the world. Here's my um, theodicy, if you like. I don't believe that God causes and caused the suffering of this man or the people that I've told you about that I've experienced and know. I believe God created the world to be a perfect place without any of that stuff. I do believe that when we as humans uh, chose to disobey God, the idea and notion of sin and sickness and suffering came into the world. So I believe that even though God didn't cause that suffering though, that even when suffering came into the world, he wasn't any less God because of its presence. I believe that God, because he's above all things, can still do amazing things out of people who suffer. Because I basically believe that God is sovereign, right? It's the idea that above all things, God is. And my theodicy is that even though I don't think God causes any of the suffering that we see around us, that he can, because he's God and because he's above it all, use it for his purposes and for his will. I don't know how a lot of the time he does that. And if you are in a place where you are like, God, I, I know this suffering, maybe it's for yourself or someone that you know, someone that's ill, someone that's, that's died and has left a hole, or maybe you're struggling with stuff, then, then I need you to know that I'm in that place as well. Um, I told you I'd share a little bit about the story of my, my wife. About uh, three years ago when we were engaged, I got a phone call from France where I was doing a uh, LPO. I was talking about LPO to someone else earlier, Spring Harvest France. And I got a call to say that my wife, or fiance at the time, had collapsed in a supermarket and she'd been taken into hospital. So I uh, rushed back from France to go and see her and she was all in funny uh, hospital robes and looked really weird. Um, it's really pale skin. And after a few months, the doctors really couldn't decide what was going on with her. And so they, she, they, um, they um, diagnosed her with uh, neurological functional disorder. She's since had several um, diagnoses, but basically, uh, eventually they landed on ME. Um, ME is a really, really weird 
um, sort of neurological brain condition, which there's very little research done. But basically what happens is my wife, for periods of time, Charlotte, um, is just completely bedridden. She spends days in bed, she won't get up. She also has seizures, so she has really severe um, epileptic style seizures, but can be brought on by absolutely anything. And I've found myself in places over the last few years where I have asked the questions of God, God, why is this happening? And I still wrestle with that question. Now, here's the thing. I've prayed hundreds of times that Charlotte would be healed. And I believe that if I prayed for her one more time, that God could heal her. I don't know if he will, but I believe completely that he would. Because I believe that God's sovereign. He's over all things. Now what I've found over the last few years is that even though this totally sucks and I would take that from her and get rid of it if I possibly could, that somehow God in his sovereignty has used it in, for his good. Um, we've got two friends called Steve and Lisa who don't believe in God, but she recently was diagnosed with ME as well. And I've sat when my wife's been well enough around kitchen tables with these guys and my wife's been chatting with, uh, chatting with Lisa and talking about God to her in amazing ways. And we're trying to really encourage them to come along to an alpha. Now, do I believe that God caused this ME so that she could have that conversation with Lisa so that Lisa would come to church and become a Christian? No. But I believe that God is so good and so sovereign that even the worst things that the enemy, the devil, but also that we have um, caused by our own sin and sickness in the world, he can still do amazing things even with the worst things that we experience. I'm reminded of Joseph in uh, the end of Genesis where Joseph's life like, probably sucks. I mean, he was chucked in a big old pit by his brothers and left for dead and sold into slavery and uh, accused of something that he didn't do and thrown in jail, basically sentenced for execution. Right at the end, there's this story where his brothers and his dad come back uh, from where they were living to Egypt and he does the whole reveal of, uh, he's Joseph, you probably know the story. Um, but there's this moment where Joseph's speaking to his brothers who had betrayed him, he'd thrown him into a pit, he'd left him for dead where he says, do you know what? Even the stuff that you had planned for my ill, God worked for his good. God worked for my good. And that's my theodicy. That somehow, because God's so good, that either through healing or through just us in our suffering, he can bring about his purposes. He can bring about his goodness. He can bring about his plan. That's how good that he is. Now in this story, John chapter 9 the purpose, the will of God that Jesus talks about ends up being made through his, his healing, right? So the man uh, who's born blind gets healed and goes and speaks to the Pharisees. He goes home rejoicing. Loads of lives, I bet, were transformed by his story. But I also believe that had that man not been healed, God's kingdom somehow would still have been worked out. Jesus teaches us that purpose can be brought from suffering even though we don't always know how. Second thing I'd love to share, and I'm going to rattle through this. I don't want to take too long. I know that, um, can you go to the next slide? I just really want to touch on this because I think this is important. I wonder why uh, Jesus does the whole spit, spit in the dirt, dirt in the eyes, all that kind of thing. 
I've got no idea why he does it like that, to be honest. There's lots of times where Jesus does healing miracles and he does it in weird ways. Maybe it's because Jesus wants to demonstrate that there's no like one five steps to healing. Maybe it's because of, I, I don't know, a calling back to Genesis and God breathing into the dirt and the idea that you know Jesus is showing that he's divine by once again using dirt. I don't, I've no idea. But one thing I don't want you to miss is that in this story, Jesus gets really close to this man. There is a physical moment of contact between Jesus' hand and the eyes of this man, even though there's mud and dirt in it as well, where Jesus is close. You'll notice about Jesus, the most amazing thing about him is the time he spends with those that no one else would spend time with. I would imagine that this man, born blind, would have been begging for years and years and years. And like the people that so guiltily we walk past a lot when we're walking to work or to school and we see people that are sat on the sides, they become nameless faces. This man would have been totally ignored. So don't miss the fact that part of the healing involves Jesus getting close to this man. I believe that Jesus demonstrates so often in his ministry that he is a God that wants to be close to us. Another story which isn't particularly fun, but again, it's just my experience. I had a youth worker growing up whose name was James. He was great. He was like ludicrously intelligent. He was sort of like you, Joe, like mad clever. He had all of the answers for everything. Um, Good luck, you, Joe. Uh, He was just epic. We used to try and catch him out. We used to like asking questions. We also like... I used to like putting jam tarts in his pillows when we went away to residentials like this, because we were evil. Um, one time we, we were asking him the question about suffering. We were saying, James, why has God allowed suffering? And the answer he gave us wasn't perfect, but it stuck with me to this day. He said, you know, if you um, cut your finger on a piece of paper, say like a, like a um, you know, paper cut, and in that moment you're hurting and it stings. Yeah, paper cut, that's right, the paper and the cut. Um, and in that moment, you might want to know an answer. If I came along and I said to you, well, the reason that, the re- the reason that your finger's hurting is because uh, the surface area of that bit of paper is really, really thin, and it, I, I, I'm talking absolute rubbish at this moment, and it, yeah, your skin's really delicate, so it cuts through that, and then your blood rises to co- sort of conglomerate the surface to make sure that no infections or disease come in. Anyway, if I gave you all of the scientific answers to why your finger's hurting, it won't help you. It might give you a better understanding, but it won't help you. What you'll need if you cut your fingers, you'll need time, you'll need a plaster, you'll need something on it that's wrapping it, something that's keeping it from further harm and damage. I love that little story because it's not perfect, but it shows the idea of actually where we so often demand answers, and I think it's good, as I was talking earlier about truth, to seek after answers, to seek after knowledge. What God offers us through Jesus is actually something a little bit more profound. Where we want answers, God gives us his presence, Do you know the most common promise in the Bible, you may have heard this before, has got nothing to do with having a good life or um, going to heaven after you die or um, not knowing any pain or suffering or anything like that. The most common promise in the Bible, which appears time uh, time and time again as you read scripture, is this. God's with you. God is with you. James uh, worked in London and... uh, One day he arrived uh, on the bus to London, got on the tube, didn't make it to his destination. This was before your time back in uh, 2005, the 7th of uh, July, and there was a terrorist attack, and uh, James lost his life. I lost my uh, youth worker on that day, Um, and it hurts when you lose a youth worker. It sucks. And the funeral was so hard and I think what was really hard about it was seeing my dad really emotional because I've not seen that before but but as we were gathered together as our youth group and mourning and 
wondering what the heck is going on. I couldn't help but think about the words that James had taught us those years before around God being close to us. There is something about his presence. There's something about him being near to us, which in a sense lifts us beyond the, just the questions and the theory and takes us to, I don't know, himself. Jesus teaches us that purpose can be brought from suffering. That's my theodicy, that he can do that. Even the worst things that we see around us, somehow because God's above everything, he can bring purpose out of it. God also teaches us in this story that Jesus wants to be close to us as well. I want to give us an opportunity later to spend time just getting close to Jesus. <clears throat> can I share one more thought with you as well? Is that all right? Am I doing okay? You're listening so well. I know this is deep stuff. I just I want to share it with you. <clears throat> Final slide, if that's all right. Thank you. There's a really weird thing about this um, story of healing that a lot of people don't think about. So Jesus does this bit where he spits, mud, eyes, lovely jubbly. And then you'll notice Jesus says, right, now what I want you to do is I want you to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. So what happens is the man, mud in his eyes, goes and washes, and then he can see afterwards. But there's a moment between where Jesus does that initial work, mud in the eyes, and calls him to go to the pool where he's still blind. Do you notice there's that little bit where he does the initial work and then says, right, you need to go and wash. And this man's like, well, I'm not healed. What's going on here? And he has to do this walk of trust in a sense. Trusting that Jesus has done something amazing. It's just not happened completely yet. And he goes to the pool and eventually he sees. There's this moment of trusting God even though he was still blind and even though everything didn't make sense in that moment. God calls us to trust him, even when sometimes it feels for us that we're still walking in the dark. And in a sense, what I love about this little story is it's a little tiny picture of the whole story of of God from that moment where Jesus died till now. See, as Christians, we believe that when Jesus died on the cross, all of sin, all of sickness, all of suffering, all of that, the power of it was totally broken. And yet, we're not at a point yet where we've seen the total completion of what Jesus did on that cross. We're living in a moment between the initial work and the final work. That's Jesus dying on the cross and Jesus coming back. And in the in-between point, it feels like sometimes that we're still walking in the darkness. We know and we trust that because of what Jesus did on the cross, we have the ability and the power to um, speak life and healing on other people. We know that we can have a relationship with God. And yet it still feels like sometimes that we're working it out and we're struggling through. And even though we know that God is good and we trust that he's good, we're not at the point yet where we can fully experience his um, goodness without suffering because we're not in heaven yet. And in between, we still have all of this suffering and this pain and this heartache to deal with. And I I honestly don't know who I'm I'm speaking to because I don't know all of you well enough, but I I bet there's some of you that can resonate with the idea that for you at the moment, it still just sort of feels like you're, you're wandering in the dark when it comes to knowing God and experiencing God. And maybe it's the questions of suffering that you have in your own life, which is just preventing you a little bit from having that connection with God because you just don't understand. I'm in the same place as you sometimes. Jesus teaches us the purpose can be brought from suffering, even though we don't always see that. Jesus teaches us that um, he loves to get close to us and to be close to us. And actually part of the healing sometimes isn't the physical stuff. It's just his closeness 
and his father arms around us. And Jesus also calls us to trust in times where it feels like we're still wandering in darkness. And I would love to spend the rest of our evening pressing into those things. So here's what I'd love to do. In a second, I'll invite the band back up. There are two particular things that I'd love us to uh, push into tonight. The first is the, the healing and the suffering bit. I believe that God can heal. So if there's any of you that knows people or experiencing yourself, pain or sickness or anything like that, I'd love to pray for you. I believe God can do it, whether he will or not. I don't know, but it'll be his will and his purposes. But I believe that he can. I'd love to pray for you. If you're someone that just life at the moment feels just rough or challenging or hard, that walking in the darkness kind of thing, I'd love us to pray for you as well. And then also I'd love just to pray for anyone else who's maybe not in that place at the moment where you know suffering, but life's doing all right, which is great. But I'd love just to pray for a sense of God being close to you. I'd love just to give a bit of time tonight to make this like a thin space where it feels like God's presence, Jesus' presence is really close to us because I believe in the closeness. And notice how what I was sharing this morning and yesterday, a lot of it comes back to relationship and being close. That being Acts yesterday that I read to you, God's really close to us and it, all we need to do is just seek and find him. In, in James it says, come near to God and he will come near to you. And I believe that tonight, maybe for some of us, it's a moment of encountering and coming close to God again. But I have rambled on for many minutes. So I want to shut up for a minute and just let God be for a minute or so. So let's just give a minute or two minutes to process the stuff that's just been shared. Let any of it that was nonsense just get forgotten about the stuff that's true and really good just to focus in on that. Let's give God a couple of minutes and then we'll move into ministry time. Maybe if the band can come up now, that'd be great. Let's just give God a couple of minutes. Why don't we stand together? Let's do that, because you've been sat for ages. Stretch your legs a little bit, stretch your arms back, whatever you need to stretch. Firstly, I would just love um, maybe for us to sing a song of worship. And what I want to encourage us to do in this time of worship is to really push in. Worship's an opportunity for us to come into the presence of God. It's not something that we do lightly. And what I want us to do as we sing this worship song is I just want to ask God to come close to us. I want you to ask God to come close to you. And then after maybe we sing this song and just give God his due and give God some glory for a bit, I'll come back and we'll, we'll go into the specific times of ministry. Is that all right? So we just do one song, I'll come back up and we'll see where things go. Okay, here's what I think we are going to do. <clears throat> the space at the back, the prayer area, I'd love to open up as an area for anyone that would love prayer for healing for anything. can be for you or someone that you know. Uh, I think, who do, you, who do you say, Max and Ethan, Luke, Amy? I said they'd love to pray for people. Thank you guys if you'd love to do that. <clears throat> So at any point over the space here, you would just love a prayer for healing for whatever. I think that's the space that we're going to make it for that. Um, but what I'd love us to do is, I guess I'm really drawn and I can't get out of my head the idea of, um, of the closeness part, the idea of Jesus really wanting to be close to us. So I want to, let's see what happens if we try this. Um, 
If there's anyone that feels now that they have just, for whatever reason, feel distant or just that they would love to experience that, that closeness of Jesus again, maybe even for the first time, if there's anyone here for which that's true, do you want to be brave and pop a hand up for me? Great. Thanks, mate. Anyone else? What I'd love to do is I'd love us. Thanks. Yeah, great. Brilliant. Okay. What I'd love us to do is just spend time praying for people around you that you can see they've got a hand up. Or if you didn't put your hand up but you still love prayer for that just to get in a pair or another group. I'd love us just to pray for those guys that have just said, I'd love to experience that, that closeness again. There's nothing special about leaders with badges. We're all called to the ministry of praying for other people. So I'd love us to pray for people like that. If that's not where you're at and you love prayer for healing, love to offer prayer for healing at the back. If there's anything more specifically around the issues or questions of suffering or something a bit deeper and you'd like to come to me or a leader, you can do that as well. Otherwise, I'd love us just to spend a bit of time uh, carrying on in worship and just worshipping and pushing in. At any point, you're like, do you know what? I'd love a bit of prayer for the whole closeness part as well. I'd love you to speak to someone else about that. And if you want a prayer for healing, we'll go to the back. That's what we'll do for another worship song, maybe. And then we'll see what else God wants to do. But I don't want to certainly to rush from this space of responding and seeing what God wants to do. But let's start with that and let's see what happens. So if you want to start praying for the guys around you that were honest and stuck their hands up, that'd be grand. Um, yeah, Amy, Luke, Ethan, if you want to head to the back, anyone that wants prayer for healing, you can go to there. Um, and if you're like, I've not got anyone around me, that's absolutely fine. But if you want to get... Uh, chat to a mate or someone next to you a little bit and any area particularly you love prayer for I'd love to encourage you to pray for that as well push into that um, we'll do some worship songs if you want to press in in worship that's fine let's just see what happens shall we Sometimes I get little promptings and um, thoughts and Bible passages. Oh. And I'm not sure that this is of anything, but I'm going to give it a go. Just got to find the passage. Okay. So um, I was just praying for Dan earlier, and as I was praying for him, I got a Bible passage that I prayed over him, but would just like to pray for you as well, or just to speak over you. It's a passage from Amos in the New Testament where it says, it's a really simple little bit, and uh, it's in Amos chapter uh, 5, verse 4, and it just really simply says this, this is what the Lord says to his house, seek me and live. Um, and I just got a sense that there's maybe people here that have never really experienced the, the closeness of God because maybe you've never like properly wanted to push in and seek after it. But I just love to pray for you and give a moment of maybe opportunity for responding for anyone that has actually never experienced like a closeness with Jesus before. Um, 
And if that is you, I'd like to pray over you now, but I'd also love for you to maybe come to me or a leader and just say, yeah, do you know what? I've never experienced this. I'd love to pray over you. Um, but let me just pray that over you now. It might be, might be rubbish, not, might not be of God, but we'll see what happens. At least it's a Bible passage, so it's got to have some truth in it. Father, thank you um, for the truth of this passage where you command people to seek you and when they do that they'll live. And I just pray for any of my friends here, maybe even ones that don't claim to be a Christian or know you at the moment, but maybe have just never experienced the closeness of Jesus, the, the, the promise that you're with us all the time. Lord, I just pray in this little time now that they would experience almost a sense of your presence, a sense of your closeness, of your proximity, of your being with them, a sense maybe that you've never actually been far from them. They've just not been aware of it. So I just pray for anyone here for an experience of your closeness, of your being near to them right now. Thank you for that passage in James. Draw near to me and I will draw near to you. And I pray that there'll be a sense of your nearness in this space right now for everyone. Amen. I think we'll just carry on. We'll see what happens.